Hi, and welcome to Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. We're your hosts, Dave. Gracia. Steve. Your name's Don. <laughs> and Craig. And Jill just couldn't find a way to show up on time this week, but I assume we'll have her along shortly. Uh, so, we need to get into the drink of the week, and that is Gracia's Racket. So, what we got? Uh, this week we wanted to go simple, so we just did Malibu with lemonade. I did put some fresh lemons in there to make it a little refreshing. Nice end of summer drink. I hope you guys enjoy it. It's very good. It's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yep. It's Even Don is drinking this week. Not wine. He's having the drink with well, us. Well, there wasn't any wine. <laughs> Out of necessity. <laughs> Somebody comes with all the wine. <laughs> but the rum is intriguing to you. And I can whine about that. Yeah, this is better than our ratty old wine that we usually give you. Yeah, that's the for coconut sure. and the lemonade taste. I saw good. the rats swimming around. Get me out of here! <laughs> All right, so consensus, it's pretty tasty. Yes. Yeah. Nice. So this week's topic is a continuation of last week's, which was the Boston Marathon bombing. Last week we talked about the crimes themselves. Uh, there were several that involved these guys. And we also talked about Tamerlan and some idea of why he was doing what he was doing. But for that guy, the upshot was uh, he spent most of his young life thinking he was king shit. And then he realized he was just a big fat loser. Well, he's in pretty good shape, but he was a big loser. Uh, that was a real difficult thing for him to adjust to psychologically. Uh, was a big part of the reason why he ended up um, kind of ripe for the picking for you know, being radicalized by some of these online sources to become a terrorist. And that, along with his mother kind of pushing him towards a very ardent and devout uh, pursuit of Islam uh, and some fairly radical teachings, I think, kind of snowballed into um, him uh, sort of leading this effort. And also, we did mention last week how uh, he may have had some CTE or some brain injury from his boxing. He certainly had some psychological issues that were actually uh, kind of the reason why his mom may have been pushing in him into being uh, more devout and trying to pursue religion to fix his brain rather than a psychiatrist. So that was last week. This week, we're going to go a little bit more into the family and then we'll talk about Johar because he is generally uh, pretty widely regarded as a bit of a mystery, like how could this well-adjusted kid end up doing this? So, launching in, let's talk about the father. His name is Anzor, and he is a Chechen. <clears throat> he was trained in the military in Russia. He was also a trained boxer as well, which is where a lot of Tamerlan's boxing uh, impetus came from. So this guy actually seemed like he may have a somewhat promising career at one time. He was living in Kyrgyzstan. He was studying law. He had a good job in the prosecutor's office in the capital city of Kyrgyzstan and, you know, looked like he was on a pretty good track. He was married to Zubeda, who was this, um, she was a Dagestani. Uh, nominally... Is that a, is that a dinosaur? <laughs> <laughs> How culturally sensitive you are, Steve. <laughs> 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 right? <laughs> yeah, so just for the record, not a, not a dinosaur. But <laughs> that's a pretty kick-ass name for a dinosaur. <laughs> uh, anyway, so they were kind of a cool couple early on. They were neither of them particularly devout, um, nominally Muslim, but really they kind of like living the good life, dressing well, having a, you know, a pretty active social life and were largely regarded as being a pretty cool couple back in the uh, in their days in Asia. Um, but things went from good to not so good because there was a purge of Chechens by the Kyrgyz government uh, quite some time ago and Anzor was a victim of this. So the successful track that he was on kind of got smacked and they actually left Kyrgyzstan and went to uh, I believe Dagestan um, after the purge and things were then not quite so good and Zora started working as a car mechanic but not really not really on a good track anymore uh, he was a hard worker who had an unpredictable temper he liked to be the provider for the family um, and you know it was kind of hard to not really have such good circumstances anymore um, so they ultimately 
uh, decided to come to the U.S., where they had, they thought, a much better potential for a really sort of rewarding life, uh, them and millions of other people, of course. Um, a little bit more about Zubeda. Uh, she was a beautician, and she was someone who doted a great deal on her kids, but she was also someone who was quite controlling. So there you have kind of the, uh, the two parents. There were, as we've talked about, Tamerlan and Johar, who were the sons, and there were two daughters as well, Bella and Alina. But uh, initially it was just the mom, dad, and Johar that moved across to the United States. And they came with, with dreams. They thought that they were going to have uh, great success. Things were going to be awesome. Zubeda was someone who wanted to get rich fast. And Where was Tamerlan? Tamerlan was still, I think, in Kyrgyzstan. Okay. They came over, I think, about six months later. It was a little bit afterward. So, yeah, in 2002, the parents and Johar came to the United States. And then in 2003, the entire family was reunited. Um, they all moved into an apartment in Cambridge. Uh, it's worth noting that one of the one of the draws to moving to the United States is that Anzor had a brother who was a successful lawyer in the U.S. So, you know, they had kind of that personal tie already, someone that could set them up or help them get set up, uh, and someone who was successful here, so it seemed like it was totally a doable thing. So anyway, shortly after the family moved to Cambridge, they actually seemed to be doing pretty well. By uh, accounts from people outside the family, they were like a nice family. They were happy. They were enjoying life. They all loved each other. They all got along. It, was, it all looked fairly good early on. Um, and, you know, I've also read accounts talking about the family where it shouldn't be too surprising if you were listening last week, where they talk about how the mother was basically pretty nice, Johar was a nice kid, Bella and Alina were pretty nice and seemed decent, and Tamerlan was just like this growly, nasty little asshole. Big asshole. So. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Craig, do you like him? <laughs> <laughs> Not a big fan. Put him in your book club? <laughs> but it's really a common theme. I've read a whole bunch of things, a whole bunch of quotes, you know, first-person articles of people who knew them, and... It's really a common thread is, hey, these people seem pretty nice, except for that guy. Um, and, you know, that guy being Tamerlan, he he still seemed like he was at least adjusted to living in the United States, but he really took a weird turn somewhere around 2009, um, which was somewhat related to the weird, much more devout turn that Zubeda had in about 2010. So... She, for whatever reason, and I'm not clear what it was, decided... Menopause. To <laughs> what? What? Menopause, you said. Oh. <laughs> so are you suggesting she went crazy due to menopause? Well, that happens a lot. A lot of these religious fanatics, it's... Come out of the menopause? They're mostly men. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, so, so that's why, that's why they call line. it menopause. <laughs> or maybe that means they pause for men or something. Anyway, yeah... Okay, once again, thanks for the insight. Spiritual thing. <laughs> menopause is a very spiritual mm. thing, Steve. Remember it. <laughs> yeah, stay back. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so evidently because of menopause, <laughs> Zubeda <laughs> became much more devout somewhere around 2009, 2010. And it's something that a number of people have remarked on, how she went from being, you know, dressing much more Western and being much more sort of personable and outgoing and switching to the point where she was always, if she went outside, she was wearing a, you know, the traditional Adam, Muslim yeah. garments. And she, uh, working as a beautician, would actually quit doing any kind of work on boys who had gone through puberty because that's not okay per her rather stern um, reading of the religion. So she had gone... How, did you, how can she tell they went through puberty? Well, oh, I'm sure she told them to drop their drawers. We can tell you have, Steve, without any additional information. <laughs> it's probably on there the forums. There might be a borderline. <laughs> She's like, hmm, this one's borderline. Yeah. <laughs> For the most part, though. <laughs> can you please speak? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm sure that she had an application form to come to her spa and <laughs> have to check off. It's like when you join a Facebook group and there's those questions. Yeah. Her question was, have you gone through puberty? How often do you get aroused? Oh, 
<laughs> when the wind two. blows. Slightly <laughs> different question. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yes, thanks for the sidetrack. That was fun. Uh, but yeah, so she'd always have her head covered, and she had, you know, she was observing more and more strict customs all the time. Uh, she also believed that 9-11 was a plot to make Americans hate Muslims. So there was a whole lot of conspiracy theory mm -hmm. in that household. I'm not sure we can chase it all back to Alex Jones, but <laughs> man, we can try. some of it we certainly can. <laughs> and she was also known to say out loud, my son knows all about it. You can read it on the internet. So between internet and Facebook, I think you have access to all things that are true. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's on the internet. It's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Tamerlan and his mother at the same time are being quite devout. And uh, this initially appears to have irritated Johar. He always claimed to not really be very religious. He would not hide the fact that he was Muslim, but he'd be like, yeah, that's not really my bag. I don't really care. Technically, I'm Muslim. Uh, but he certainly found it irritating when his mother and his brother went off the deep end. Although, one of the things that appears more and more clear about Johar, the more that you read about him, is that this guy just turned one face to the world and there was something else going on underneath. So you could never really tell what he was really thinking, I don't think. Yeah. And he clearly, he looked up to his brother a lot, so he wanted to emulate his brother no matter how wacky his brother was, so. Yeah, there, definitely there's some element of that. Yeah, so um, the parents divorced in 2011, and Anzor moved back to Russia, Dagestan. I'm not sure exactly where he resided. I know he at some points got to Moscow. He had a bit of a habit of leaving the country to go back to Russia here and there, kind of on solo trips. And so I'm not sure if he just decided, well, I do this often enough, I'm just going to stay. But that's what happened. So he uh, he left, I think, in September of 2011 to never come back. And Zubeda actually herself left the U.S. to go to Russia in 2012. So he left in, I'm sorry, um, no, never say you're sorry when you're in love. Um, <laughs> He left after 9-11? Yeah, tw 2011 would be after 9-11. Yeah, 9-11 was in 2001. Oh, I thought it was 11. No. Uh, no. No, so there, was, <laughs> there wasn't 9-11s there. It was just on 9-11. I mean, there is a 9-11 in 2011. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Yeah. But so. it's not the 9-11. Somewhere around the 10th anniversary of 9-11, he left for Russia and stayed. Right. All right. Got it. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> I'm glad to clear that up for you. Thank you. Anyway, it was about a year later that Zubeda also returned to Russia, and they actually ended up reconciling, and I believe they're still together now. They certainly mm. were then. Uh, her reasons for going back to Russia were unclear to me as were her reasons for turning to Islam. I now know that her turn to Islam was primarily due to menopause. Don, if you could tell me <laughs> what female-oriented uh, reason she had for going back to Russia, that would be great. But it turns out she had gotten caught stealing from Lord and Taylor, so she may have just felt like uh, didn't want the legal hassle. I'm not totally sure. She didn't want to have to deal with the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Of yes. Lord and Taylor? Yeah. <laughs> she wouldn't be caught stealing from Allah and Taylor, but Lord and Taylor, that's She's different. like, I don't know who this Lord is. <laughs> so anyway, at that point, the parents are both gone. The girls have been through a bit of a miserable time as they've been forced into arranged marriages that both sucked hard, and they had kids that they had to raise as a result of it. The marriages so. sucked hard. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I used to use that phrase, I was like, oh boy. I know I was late, but I feel like there's something weird going on here. <laughs> it's always a little weird. <laughs> it's Portlandia around here. Were they still in Cambridge? Yeah, so they still had place in Cambridge. Um, at this point, of course, Tamerlan has a wife and a child of his own. Oh, so I didn't know he had kids. He had kid, yeah. Kid. Kid. Yep. You didn't listen last week, did you? Yeah, no, shame on you, Steve. Listen last night. <laughs> last night. It came up. Cramming for the exam. <laughs> you forgot it. Like, just last night? That was a while ago, though, guys. Like, well, I was too uh, taken back by his hatred towards the guys. Uh, so. mm. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Terrorist not lover. BFFs. No. <laughs> Book club. <laughs> That's a lovely shade of red there. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, with the parents gone and the girls just trying to deal with their lives, I think Tamerlan kind of became the leader. As you know, as the oldest boy, he would have been pretty much the leader anyway. So whatever influence he had on Johar to begin with probably only got greater once the parents had buggered off. Uh, which does bring us to Johar. So he was 19 at the time of the bombings. He had been born in Kyrgyzstan, of course, and came over with his parents in 2002. At the time of the bombing, he was a sophomore at Dartmouth. And we mentioned last week how grim an existence it is having to be in UMass Dartmouth. So mm. uh, <laughs> sort of understand how that would make him depressed. It's not a bad school. It might not be a bad school, but have you ever been to its campus? Yeah, it's depressing. Yeah. 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 It's just so great. I don't know if you've been there. The reason yeah. I was yeah. asking it's you about very hard. Cambridge is because it takes money to live in Cambridge. So I'm trying to figure out. Not only did they lose their parents, but they lost this, some income there significantly, right? Yeah, definitely money was a big stressor for Johar. And it was for Tamerlan, too, because his wife could only earn so much to keep him afloat. <laughs> but for Johar, he was pretty concerned about it. He'd gotten a scholarship. He didn't grown. ever work A lot of wives time. have that problem, keeping their husbands <laughs> afloat. They do, you know? <laughs> Don't even look at me. <laughs> keep talking. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, Johar, he had gotten a scholarship to go to UMass Dartmouth and he was losing it because of his bad grades. He didn't really have a whole lot of support system. So that was obviously a pretty, pretty big stressor for him. But anyway, just back quickly to who he is. And we probably covered it a fair bit last week, but let's just go over the traits that people thought described him. He was a pretty popular kid. He was able to float from one social circle to another. He didn't have any problem kind of relating to people. He was pretty laid back, pretty relaxed. People figured he was pretty cool. Uh, but he was like a complete mama's boy. He was very deferential and obedient to his mom. And, you know, not that a mama's boy is a bad thing. Agree. <laughs> We've got a couple. Uh, and we think that's great. Um, he was a compassionate kid. Um, loved going to parties. Loved weed. Loved video games. Just kind of standard stuff. He was a very good athlete, uh, a very good wrestler. He was a team captain. People, you know, thought he was he was well respected. He was a good leader. Uh, he was very supportive of his teammates. He was always a good sport. You know, like Tamerlan may not have really acted very well when he was engaged in athletic events. May not have been the best sport, but Johar actually kind of was. He like he wouldn't gloat when he won. He wouldn't get all pissy if he lost. He was a smart kid. He was a great student in high school. He easily skated by. You know, it's uh, I've got at least one kid that I know has skated by really easily through high school as well. Um, and, you know, kind of a cool kid as well, so I can kind of see that. Uh, he loved Cambridge. He really enjoyed his life there. And he seems to have really had this, um, this aspect of himself that wanted to have the uh, classic, successful U.S. life, you know, just enjoying life. Um, yeah, he'd never shown to be violent or aggressive. He was a humble kid. He was always very empathetic. And he didn't seem very religious at all. But, you know, it, it seems that he may have hidden a little bit of the depth of his uh, devoutness. One friend uh, had mentioned that he was talking rather casually about Islam. Um, and Johar just shut him down, like just kind of snapped at him. This is back in his high school days before he decided to go blowing things up. Um, but at the same time, you know, his school was a pretty progressive and I think a pretty uh, an open learning environment where he could express your opinions a lot. And he had current events classes where terrorism was specifically talked about. And Johar would not give any kind of indication that he was pro-terrorism or, or, you know, thought that the U.S. deserved to get sort of some blowback for the things that they've done overseas and there have just been like one or two little things that have come out that would indicate a little bit that he might have been likely to do something uh, kind of heinous um, it's something that I think uh, profilers would refer to as leakage where somebody has this facade that they put up and there's just occasionally a little crack that shows through uh, so one example of this is he was talking to some friends and uh, one of the friends said well 
you know, they were talking about religion. One of the friends goes, well, you know, religion's good and all, but there's still some bad things that come out of it. Like look at 9-11, for example. And they tried to get Johar to kind of talk about it a little bit. And Johar just said, I don't think you guys would want to hear what I have to say. Now, this is again in high school where he's saying this and eventually they push him and he goes, yeah, well, I think some terrorist acts are justified because of what the U.S. does overseas. So, you know, he, I think, pretty carefully has this facade that shows no indication of uh, any kind of violent tendencies mm -hmm. underneath. But he did at least once or twice in high school kind of show that underneath all that, there was something else going on. Just a good place for me to interject. Talk about his menopause. We were talking about this morning. <laughs> so they were, and, and this came out in uh, the trial of the younger, um, Followers of Anwar al Awaki, and I hope I pronounce it right. It's a pretty. I'm sure you didn't. He was. He was. A, Is he related to Wicket the Awaki? <laughs> he was. Sounds like a Star Wars character. Don't trigger him. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he he was part of Al Qaeda, and he was a recruiter. He was an American citizen too, and he was the, an American citizen that was. Um, Killed without due process by drone strike ordered by Obama. Um, so there was some controversy about that. But these brothers, a lot of this guy's works were found in their, on, in their personal items, you know, in their computers and what have you. Matter of fact, when the younger was in the boat, uh, he was actually writing um, quotes from this guy. Mm -hmm. This guy's big thing was hey, if you can't come here for the jihad, Take out your neighbors in America. So, mm -hmm. anyway, that's all I'm going to say there. Yeah, thanks, Don. You're so. quite welcome. <laughs> do you mean thanks, that's all I'm going to say? Or do you mean <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what I meant, but good point. <laughs> that's a mixed bag. <laughs> yeah, so I really was not going to mention Alaki, but he was definitely a large influence on the boys in terms of making them think, hey, it would be a good idea to do something like this. And kind of nudging was, them along that was way. was his magazine where they learned to make the bomb. Uh, I'm, that came out in the trial. So I there was a that magazine was his, called... Inspire. Yeah, Inspire. And he was in that magazine all the time. He was part of that, mm. that, uh, that group. So they learned to make the bomb from that magazine. So this group, whoever surrounded this Alawaki wiki, whatever... Yeah, how did you say that again, Dave? I should be careful about making fun of. I, I, I honestly just can't pronounce it. It's Anwar that I can do. Al, I can get. Awaki, A W A K I. Oh, that's probably pretty close. Actually. It is probably. Well, thank yeah. you. You're welcome. <laughs> Very nice. So yeah, I wasn't going to talk about that guy, but that's that is a good point. Like, um, there was definitely, well. As we know, Tamerlan spent a lot of time on the internet uh, getting radicalized and presumably playing with himself. And this guy obviously was um, one of the main things. As that we he... all do online. Oh, that's right. Do we? You guys do that? Don't play innocent. <laughs> We've heard your comments before. We do not believe you. I can still remember seeing two-year-old Alex in front of your computer. <laughs> oh, jeez. All those brilliant images. Oh, jeez. Oh, no comment. No, comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were on YouTube, the, uh, Alex and oh, Lonnie. Yeah, geez. they were doing their, what are you guys doing on that? <laughs> yeah, Sounds anyway. like they were anyway. on RedTube, not YouTube. Yeah, two-year-olds don't know how to type porn. <laughs> <laughs> was Lips the best picture, Alex, just They'll like this, looking at the screen. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, so yeah, that guy definitely had a big influence. But with, with the parents gone, too, they probably were looking for something, you know, like, yeah. especially when you're going through those age, I feel like we all changed so much through college. They really didn't have somebody to, like, lean back on, you know, so maybe. This guy was, was a big deal. Now, I'm not trying to hijack your presentation here. I know it must seem that way. But this guy, the FBI said he influenced 70 people in the United States to acts of violence. That's a lot of people. How come I haven't heard of the other 68 acts of violence? Did Would you like me to look them up on the internet and list them for you? Yes. Okay, the Fort Hood shooter was one of them. Uh-huh. You still want me to keep going? Yeah, give me a few more. <laughs> if you can, off the top of your head. No, not off the top of my head. I'd have to, I had to look this morning for the list. 
because I was actually, <laughs> yeah, I was actually mentioning this morning that I'm surprised there haven't been more people incited to do these kinds of things. You know, like we're all familiar with mass shootings that happen every other Tuesday mm -hmm. and yeah. stuff like that. But I wasn't really aware that there were a lot of other, uh, you let's, know. Let's tell the truth here. Every time I say something, this is a family tradition. You jump and get your Google and go, oh, that doesn't sound You jump right. and get your Google. You get your Google. Your Google. He's holding his Google. It's your Google. <laughs> um, and He's I, holding his Google. I believe, actually, another family tradition is when Steve calls you a snowflake. Well, I did hear that. And you notice I wasn't triggered at that time. <laughs> <laughs> that just went. Uh, so between the two of them. Those must be tough. Those son-in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, while Don looks this up, evidently there were there have been more terrorist acts committed in the U.S. as a result of the influence of this guy or people like him than I realized. And we often, right though, we probably monitor him. So if we catch you starting to plan something, you probably get arrested. And, you know, and we passed a lot of laws and I don't know how much we're using them, but... You know, right after 9-11, they passed a law that said under terrorist acts, you can be held indefinitely without a trial. And basically, nobody can even has to even know that you're in holding. So they can just basically take you, put you mm -hmm. somewhere, and not even tell your family. There were a so, lot of laws that came up after yeah. that. Which I just went over one with a client the other day because his license was expired and he was trying to buy a house. And the Patriot Act came out because of 9-11. And he, I'm like, you cannot buy a house without an ID. Mm-hmm. Like, this is expired. I can't even accept it. So yeah. he had to, you know, uh -huh. you need an ID to buy a house. Mm -hmm. Or you know, open a bank account to do a lot of things. Yeah, yeah it's, it's now because of the Patriot Act, because of 9-11, mm -hmm. that all those laws came into play. Hmm. Illegal money coming into the country, being able to move it easily. Oh, yeah. They're okay, watching that it, makes you know? sense, yeah. Although, and this is an aside, I suppose, I was just wondering, like, the law where they hold you indefinitely, wasn't that before 9-11? Because didn't they do that yeah. in The Rock with Sean Connery and <laughs> Nicolas Cage? Remember Sean Connery like, lived underground or in the movie? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I, I just don't know. Okay, so beyond the Boston Marathon bombing, <laughs> the San Bernardino, Bernardino attack. Oh, I remember uh -huh. that. Oh. Yeah, so do I. 200, 2016 Orlando nightclub shooting is really? attributed to this guy. Oh. Um, According to the Counter-Extremism Project, 88 extremists, 54 in the U.S. and 34 in Europe, had been influenced by Alaki. We get it. Andy you get it. What's his name? Iwaki. Just go with his first name. It said his work had inspired countless plots and attacks. Um, so he was, and, and one of his big things was he was an American citizen. He was born in New Mexico. Um, he was influencing quite a few people because he, he was very fluent in English, obviously, as well as... Um, and he had a high rank in Al-Qaeda. He, he was a regional commander in Al-Qaeda. So, um, which is why I thought he had a big influence on these guys. Obviously, if they're writing about him while they're hiding in a boat, or one kid is, anyway. But did that satisfy your curiosity? Yeah, that was way too much, Don. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> he didn't like your Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, no, anyway, it was interesting to hear that there were, like, you know, the San Bernardino, I just thought was too crazy, so he went and shot people. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize there was something else behind it, so. Yeah, this guy's thing, Craig, was, you know, if you can't come over here, shoot Americans over there. And it doesn't matter who you shoot. Because it would draw such attention to our, to our cause. And why anybody would take that seriously is beyond me. Especially mm -hmm. Americans. But they did. They do. We haven't heard the last of this guy either, even though he's dead. He's still influencing. His stuff is still out there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's... He's like the Jimi Hendrix of uh, Al-Qaeda. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect analogy. That is actually... All right, so thanks for that cheery note. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right, so getting back to Johar. Uh, you know, the gay, the guy was pretty successful in not the gay. Sorry. So far as I know, he was straight. <laughs> Actually, he 
was not known to have a girlfriend. It's kind of funny. Like, uh, a lot of girls I had a were, feeling you were going <laughs> to It was on your head. <laughs> Total um, slip of the tongue there. But, uh, but yeah, he was not known to have a girlfriend, even though lots of girls were into him, thought he was pretty cool. And uh, he had all sorts of opportunities, but nobody knew of him having a girlfriend. He never mentioned anything like it. The kid was super secretive, wouldn't talk about his family. Hardly anybody ever saw anybody, you know, in his family outside of the school where they'd see his brother occasionally or sisters or something like that. Uh, nobody from his family would come to his sporting events. So on the one hand, you've got Tamerlan, who, you know, people would go to watch his boxing matches from the family. But for Johar, there was none of that. And during the last competition in your senior year, you're supposed to go, you know, out to the mat and get a flower from your parent or whoever is important to you senior night yep yeah we've been there mm -hmm. um <clears throat> occasionally there are boys who do not have anyone to come out and give them a flower and johar was one of them his parents never showed up to any of events and they never showed up to this either so it's kind of interesting that there was that different standard and uh i don't know if that was just the parents who couldn't be bothered with johar or if he didn't want them there or just what was going on um, <clears throat> so anyway, leading up to the bombings, there began to be a little bit more sign of something going wrong with this kid because he is failing wildly at college. He had early on, when he got to UMass Dartmouth, tweeted saying, hey, I'm just using all of my high school essays here. This place is it was hashtag too easy or something like that. But it's kind of funny that the kid would talk about how college is way too easy and then he promptly flunked the fuck out of it like you can't believe. <laughs> and, it was to the point where he actually was writing a letter begging the university or the sort of the deciders to let him have his scholarship back. And, you know, he's talking about how he'd lost a lot of people important to him, lost a lot of his support structure and, uh, you know, had relatives that were having a hard time in Russia, things like that. Just kind of talking about how his life was a bit of a shit show and how... <clears throat> He was finally getting past that and he was ready to focus on his schoolwork. So, you know, where Tamerlan had, you know, gone from being the golden boy to realizing he was a loser, it seemed like Johar had gone from life was fun, life was cool, life was easy to being stressed out, not having a support system and being really uh, just in a bad place and no one to kind of help him out. The person that he could reach out to, of course, was Tamerlan, who was busy becoming radical and uh, was not really the best kind of influence that he could hope to have. So that's kind of the background that we have coming up to the bombings. And, you know, Don was mentioning how there was all sorts of stuff on the computer from like a Lockheed inspired things from Inspire the magazine, which is actually where they learned how to make a bomb. You know, I'm going to correct myself a little bit here, though. It, it just occurs to me, you know, if you're talking root cause, which I think what you're talking about, what motivated these guys, it was more the family influences that are growing up and stuff. That would be the reason they would even listen to somebody like this, you know, like mm -hmm. Anwar. So now that I'm thinking it through, which I should have done earlier. But anyway. Yeah. Has a psychiatrist ever that you could find um, uh, interviewed Zokar? I know, obviously, Tamerlan now, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was. Yeah. I have read psychologists or psychiatrists with their kind of analyses, but I don't know if any of them ever talked to him. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's that... it's speculation when they haven't, and, you know, actually the talked court, to somebody, the court but, argued, yeah. I, the court know. ordered... I would, I, that I would wonder if he's like been that. diagnosed with anything or if he hasn't, because um, if he hasn't, that's kind of interesting. You know. Yeah, I've not come across any kind of actual diagnosis, but you know, I'm sure that lots of conversations have gone between Johar and psychiatrists, but there's nothing comes out, you know, yeah. after the trial and and he's convicted. Um, I I couldn't really find any uh, recent information on it. Um, so it would be interesting to find out how they've assessed him in the years since. Yeah, I mean, it would be kind of interesting to hear. I mean, because I mean. It doesn't sound like he, like with Tamerlan, there could have been even schizophrenia or something like that because he kept talking about how he had other people in his head. Um, and that's possibly, I mean, there's a lot of things that would go into a diagnosis like that. And of course, Tamerlan got killed. 
Um, so no psychiatrist could diagnose him. But um, with Joe Carr, there really isn't any anything that's flashing that like you know yeah. this is clearly somebody who's got high psychopathy or something like that you know well like craig said he was a, a kind of an all-around kid american kid yeah in high school he definitely yeah. was and then you know it's not that rare for a kid who has a good time and does well in high school and is having a good social life to bomb out in college so yeah that's yeah. not even something you point to go oh how did we miss this it's not that surprising and you know some of his tweets were a little bit maybe borderline dark or you could read them in retrospect and go hmm i think i see what was going on in his head but for the most part they didn't really give a good idea of what he was going to do yeah um it is interesting that he switched from using facebook to using something called vk i can't remember what that stands for but it's russian facebook essentially while he was at umass dartmouth yeah. so i mean that could kind of tip you off that he's kind of changing directions and he referred to his worldview at that time as being Islam and his interests as career and money, which again, it's kind of like, he's almost sort of mm. two different guys, right? Yeah. He's the social guy who actually has lots of friends and seems to care about him. Like he contacted one of his friends right after the bombing. I think it sounded like just to see if the guy was okay. Cause he knew the guy was likely to be in that area. Like he, cared about his friend he just couldn't give a shit about everybody else and he had friends that cared about him because he had some friends that uh either hit his computer they did something to help him when they oh, saw that's him right, I forgot on him. so there was obviously some people around him that actually truly cared about him um that's a little ridiculous to hide evidence and you know somebody's bombed the city mm -hmm. but um they must have been pretty close to him and thought very highly of him to because, I mean, you know you're kind of going to go to jail if you get caught doing that. <laughs> yeah. Although, uh, so. I think they figured they were going to make it clean away. They, I think, actually did dispose of it. It got into a landfill. Yeah. The uh, I think it was a couple of backpacks, uh, certainly including his computer, but it actually got it turned up. Mm -hmm. uh, hmm. And, yeah, they did get the pleasure of going to jail for some years. Yeah. Yeah. So, clearly, Johar had been having a good time. I think... I have this pet theory though that like he loved his weed and I have this pet theory that there was just something going on inside him for a long time that he wasn't really a happy kid and uh, getting high a lot was not a bad way to deal with it. Sure. I've known plenty of people who deal with things that way as well. Um, it could be Dad, a recreational you're smoking thing. weed all the time. <laughs> when, 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 did this, weed. when did this come up? Weed's not my... Um, yeah, so... You know, I kind of think this kid may have on the outside looked pretty placid, happy, friendly and all that. And on the inside, been a little bit torn, not very happy. And, you know, he was actually sort of pining away for his homelands of Chechnya and Dagestan, which is interesting because he came over when he was a young kid and didn't know really anything about his homelands. But he would romanticize them, which I think, again, is like some sort of a sign of just something inherently missing in his life. And so, you know here you've got this unhappy kid his support system is this borderline psychotic brother of his who's become radicalized and uh you know it seems as if based on a couple of things that Johar had said earlier in his life that maybe he was already rationalizing away the concept of terrorism in retribution for american aggression then you get this trigger of the family system dissolving i mean the parents gone Mm -hmm. um, that I would see that as a trigger to all this. There was something else there that it triggered, yeah. but yeah. Then who's he got left to look up to but his brother, right? And maybe he felt like he just didn't know who he was once he got to college. Like he had such a defined life in high school. And when you get to college and you're searching for who you are and you're failing in what you thought you were, to look for something is not abnormal. Yeah. In that time, you know, so I mean, it, him going back to his roots. A lot of people do that at that point to right. try to. Yep. I mean, his just happened to be different. <laughs> yeah, but you know exactly. I'm a happy kid looking for something, and that's what he found. Um, he also, uh, at some point when he was at UMass Dartmouth, did dis essentially seem to have decided that he wanted to be a martyr. Um, it's kind of funny because he. He texted a friend of his shortly after he wrote this letter saying, hey, um, you know, I'm finally ready to focus on my schoolwork. 
and he told his friend, come May, I'm out, basically meaning he was going to finish that semester and then he was done with school. And then he goes, well, but there's one other option. And he said, highest level of jhana, which is paradise for Muslims, essentially. And the way that you get there, of course, is by being a totally pious Muslim. Or, uh, if you subscribe to certain jihadi movements, by becoming a martyr. Mm -hmm. So, this kid's life apparently sucks so hard that he's thinking, you know, I'm just going to get out by, you know, becoming a martyr. and, And that way this shitty life is over and I'm off somewhere much better. Um, and then he actually said, I got a plan. I'll tell you later about it. But, you know, surely the friend didn't really think too much of it. Turned out he did have a plan. <laughs> so if he wanted to be a martyr, he did a really bad job because yeah. he was trying to escape. Yeah. So I don't, that part I don't like it. Yeah. Well, everybody wants to go to heaven, but just not necessarily today. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. He would have kept the backpack on That's his back. That's a good, good right? point. Yeah, Sorry. it is. I think martyr seems like a much better idea on paper than it is inside a boat yeah. with blood yeah. pouring out of you. No. Uh, his brother, I think, was hardcore enough to go that route. <laughs> well, he helped him. <laughs> yeah. All I need is my brother. <laughs> yeah, but I think that Johar was definitely at, most, at least conflicted about the idea of becoming a martyr when kind of the yeah. rubber hit the road. So, yeah, lots of inspiration from, you know, Al-Qaeda's uh, propaganda operations, you might think of it, from Inspire magazine. This is where he learned how to build a bomb. Unfortunately, I don't think it's really all that hard. Uh, and, you know, that kind of, it was that storm, that perfect storm of, of things where these were just kids who had like a pretty bad home life and they had this turn to Islam at the same time that they were really feeling adrift. Uh, and well, that, they turned like, to the radicalized Islam part, not Islam. Yeah. True. I actually don't know two-fifths of fuck all about Islam. I hear that it's Neither not inherently I, violent. Not but. inherently, but like, well, every religion has radical, like, you know, there are extremely violent right. Christians, too. Sure. So, yeah. and if, 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 if you were to say, well, then he turned to Christianity, and, well, no, he turned to radicalized Christianity. Yeah, yeah like, Sorry. look at the Westboro so, Baptist yeah. Church that's always on yeah. news. Oh, exactly. That's a Fair point. And yeah. the Ku Klux I mean, the Klan consider themselves, yeah. yeah. You know, the Old Testament but. plays a role in the Muslim religion. It's, it's a shared... Yeah, they all follow the God of Abraham. Yeah. They all start with the Abraham's God, but then they get different stories, but, yeah. I'm not an expert on any of them, but, you know, so... Yeah, so here we are, six people who are not experts on Islam, but yeah. I'll go with you there. I'm sure that the vast majority of Muslims are not... You know, whatever they study is not violent. It's, oh, no, there's not, millions no. of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, yeah. it's not. Yeah. My yeah. father-in-law, when he passed, we found uh, six different types of Bibles in his room that he had read. So he had read the Quran. He had read, like so he had read all of these different. There's one in in Chinese that he had had. So wow. it's just interesting how that is interesting. You know, when you're in that age, he was trying to understand all the world. Mm-hmm. So I understand. Yeah. The, yeah. the desire to know what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we'll do Quran study next week. I'm looking forward to it. Tuesday night. Oh, I'm busy. <laughs> I actually uh, would be interested to know. So if one of you guys can read that whole thing and just give me the crib sheet, that'd they, be sweet. There's, you know, they actually memorize it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's actually, you know, in a large sense, it really isn't that much. The three major religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, really aren't that different from each other in rea- reality um but you just, know just the traditions it's the different yeah. traditions i mean obviously christians believe jesus to be the son of god and muslims don't believe that but they do believe he was a very <clears throat> important prophet so um you know but you know they they have the commandments in the old testament i think there's six pillars or five pillars of islam um, I don't know them off the top of my head, but, you know, I, I mean... But you'll report back next week. I, 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 I can look them up. What are, what are the pillars of Islam? Sure. Send it in texting. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you know, it, it's like, 
you know, there are even even well, radical atheists. Yeah, of course, Muhammad, and because Muhammad had to sneak around as a woman, and he would wear the um, uh, the um, hajib, um, because he would wear that covering him. Um, there were women with him that would also wear that covering their face, and that's where that tradition came from. I, I know, know that. that. So, Dad, pull out the Google. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, what I think is, though, it's it's important not to associate religions with violent extremists from yeah, religions. I Just agree. You can't say, oh, well, Christians are, the KKK is Christian, so all Christians are the KKK. Of course not. They're not. And, you know, and in reality, just as most Christians would tell you, you know what, the people who are following the Ku Klux Klan don't follow the teachings of Jesus, and there are a lot of Muslims who would say the people who follow Al-Qaeda are not following the teachings of Islam. So True. so religion will, of course, get hijacked to justify things that people otherwise sure. want to do, and that's happened countless times over history. I mean, even yeah. in that religion, they have Shira, they have a Sunni... Yep. So there's there's big divisions there as well. Yeah, they'll kill each other. Bin Laden was a Wahhabist, uh, and yeah, I mean we have but, Protestants and Catholics who killed each other for hundreds of years. It was so much fun. All right. So anyway, I'm almost done. I only have one or two other points that I wanted to hit, and I'm gonna hit them now. Uh, the first one is it's kind of remarkable how the day after the bombings, Johar still seems like completely unaffected. He's hanging out with friends, playing video games, shows no real indication that anything's happening. He's still got that face up to the world, even though he's got like this, he's not only committed that bombing, but he's planning to go down to Times Square and commit one there, and who knows where else they plan to go after that. Um, I just, to me, it just kind of blows my mind that somebody can be that separate in terms of what they're, you know, appearing like and what they actually are. And he as far as I can tell, has never indicated to any degree that he regrets what he did at all. At sentencing, he did say, I am sorry for the lives that I've taken, for the suffering I've caused you, for the damage that I've done, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, because he sentence. didn't want to get the yeah. death penalty, yeah. so it's like he's not going to be like, hey, I'm happy about this, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's right. So. so, you know, he'll flip the bird at a camera in a cell that he's being contained in. Mm -hmm. But And actually, I'd read another quote where he had said, um, people shouldn't have to die like that. But again, he didn't actually say well, those people shouldn't have had to die. It's just that well, you know he's suing the government. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, isn't that just to not be put to death, or is there something else? No. I thought he already won. Right? Yeah, I thought he already won about not being put to death. I thought so. For Was, now. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, going to the Supreme Court again, I think. And but yeah, he, I think he's suing over Eighth Amendment because. And honestly, I kind of agree with him. I think it, it's the issue where they keep him um, basically separated from everyone 23 out of 24 hours a day. He's sitting in a, a 9 by 13 cell with no human interaction. Yeah. I, I do There's think a lot that of those, is. Though, and if you're in that situation where he's considered, like I worked in the prison and I work in special management, that's what that's called. And that's for any gang members, high, high profile cases or... Yeah. Um, pedophiles because then there's riots in the sure. prison so they keep them separate for two reasons one to keep them safe mm -hmm. two to keep other people safe because when you yeah. bring them into a population it were, causes gang were you riots. told not to talk to them no we are allowed to talk to them so they are in 20 they're in their cells 23 hours a day they get one hour outside of their cell with a guard so it's just them and the guard hanging out um, most of the people that i work with had to be when i interacted with them had to be handcuffed and shackled at the feet in order to speak to me. And th they're there for a reason. All of them have Did that excite you to have a man like this? No, <laughs> it's kind of scary because some of them are, like one guy that was in special management, he had raped and killed 14 kids. Oh and my God. you put him in a population and there's a big problem. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I mean, I guess I see his point where he feels this unusual, but I also see their point with yeah. gang riots cause problems and then more people die and we have to keep you separate because. If people are his religion, it, it could cause I think there, there can be other ways to create human interaction that at least gives them some sort of, even right. if it's like kind of like how we do Zoom during the lockdown, yeah. you know, because it's really the lack of human interaction that's right. the right. problem, not keeping them so much separate from other people because, yeah, yeah there are people who, 
you just don't. There's that guy, I can't think of his name, the kid with all the tattoos on him that dissected his uh, cellmate recently. Um, yeah, he was one that, that was an interesting one. There was a guy that was about to get released from prison, and they put him in a cell with somebody who was convicted for basically killing somebody because he thought it would be funny to kill them. And he spent his whole time in the court just making fun of the family. Um, At least in the prison I was in, they would they would talk across the way. Yeah, yeah. Because I you'd mean, have you know all of those cells, and they would yell. And especially, I mean, you have where I was. There was three different gang units. So, like, if you were a solid, or if you were a you know, like the, the, they would yell things across to each other. Gang members. If an yeah. opposing gang member came into that area, mm-hmm. they knew what gang that person was from. They would start yelling it. And it's not just gangs, but. They yeah. put all kinds of people in there, you know. That's where your familiarity yeah. is. That's where I'm, yeah, 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 I'm just from, that's where I worked for six months, and you could see them. I don't want to say plotting, but like when somebody oh, came sure. in, and you get, you can work your way up to population if you show that you're not, you know, you're you're. So you do like first tier, second tier, third tier, then you go back to population. But in order to do that, you have to show that you have no affiliation. You have to show you there's no danger to you or anybody else. Like there's ways to get out of that. Yeah, so that that sounds different than supermax. So yeah. in Supermax, you, you have very little contact, even with your own family. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, their uh, families aren't allowed to talk. You can only talk to your lawyer when you're in there. Really? Only your okay. lawyer, because they're afraid that you're, I mean, most of these people are pre-trial. Sure. So once you're, once you're sentenced, then you're going to go into another area, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So most of them are, we don't want them to have uh, communication with other, they don't want to order hits, like what if they're in there for a murder and they want to kill the person who is going to testify against them? They're afraid that that information is going to get leaked if you let them talk to their mother. I have to listen to every conversation. That was one of my jobs, was to listen to their outdoor call wow. to make sure they were actually talking to their lawyer and that it didn't get personal. If it got personal, I disconnected the call. Wow. They weren't allowed to talk about the, you know, a side of that. You can't because they don't want. There can be codes. Can you bring me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Could be. Can you kill? You know what I mean? There, mm-hmm. there's different ways that they do it. Okay. So that's interesting. That. That's yeah, very it, interesting. So yeah. while he's in that uh, 23 out of 24 hour cell thing, do they at least give him stuff, or is it just nothing there? No, you can order stuff from the commissary if it's allowed for you. Like books, you mean, Steve? Books. Or, yeah, or whatever you... I doubt he has much money, though, from the commissary. Yeah. Well, the library's free. But, like, if he uh, wanted, like, a Twinkie, order, you could order a Twinkie. Or do you even, like, a board game? To if, if you're in Colorado Supermax, my understanding is you have to earn a TV that only shows religious and programs like that. They have no TVs in their room. Because um, it's, like, what's the... I, I can't remember what the book privileges were. I've read a lot about the Supermaxes. Yeah. They sound pretty scary. And we're, 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 we're a lot more, like, Colorado's become pretty liberal over the years, but we're a much more liberal and lenient state. Like, I've heard oh, that Colorado is not fun to be in prison. It's not as bad as Texas. None of them but, are any fun. <laughs> but, well, yeah, I know, but it's it's definitely it's like... It's the least adjective yeah, I would use. It's, it's definitely like, it's a lot worse in like Colorado, like where they're... It's what I've read. I've obviously never been in any prisons, Good. but... Um, this is so. a side subject. I'm whenever, not sure that's so obvious. <laughs> whenever they would come in, um, methadone is given to a lot of them because a lot of them are addicted mm-hmm. to different, different drugs. And I remember not, a couple of years ago, there was a big um, case about that we should just make them go cold turkey. I'm thinking in my head, how hard do you want to make this job on everybody? Wow. They oh, yeah. go cold turkey in a prison cell where they're by themselves. They're going to go crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, you the know, cigarettes, like, the too. Pill. Didn't they get rid of the cigarettes? They did. There's, they can only smoke for that hour when they get out there. Oh, okay, but they yeah. can at least smoke, yeah. Because yeah. I know that they were talking about not letting inmates smoke, period. And I was like, well, that's going to cause a lot of problems for guards. And this yeah. is why Dave doesn't so, want to go to the prison. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only reason. Right want to give up some <laughs> Three square meals a day. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah, you can totally see how religion is used as an excuse for, you know, the underlying problem. That there are just these people who are susceptible to becoming, well, I mean, some sort of a bad person, whether it's mm-hmm. just random guy going off with a gun and shooting a lot of people, or guy who thinks he has a political cause going off and blowing up a bomb. Um, you know, when you've got that confluence of loser and thinks that there is a political reason or some sort of, you know, like U.S. aggression, some sort mm-hmm. of yep. righteous cause to be opposed to, 
and they've got someone driving them towards it. This is where you get these lone wolf terrorists from. Um, and in fact, I, I couldn't help thinking of the marine technique of basically tear people down and rebuild them. These boys were kind of torn down by, you know, their parents leaving them. Turns out their lives suck. Uh, the whole family had been disappointed in their experience in the States. They felt themselves marginalized. And then they were, I mean, they were rebuilding themselves up in a way, but they were probably getting a fair bit of positive feedback from other sources. Like Tamerlan did have a, an instructor basically in the Quran. And so, you know, they, they feel like losers and their, their lives are kind of bad. They, their self-image is blown apart and it got rebranded with this radical, not standard Islam uh, interpretation. And, you know, they, they see something that they think is an evil and they think that they can redress it by committing essentially the same evil that they're outraged against. And they needed a sense of community. We talked about this with a lot of other yeah. people like Charles Manson and the different mm-hmm. um, people that are looking for that kind of thing. They were looking to be part of something, and yeah. here they are. Yeah. And yeah. There, there's a lot of parallels with what these guys did with any other domestic terrorism. Sure. Who sure. does it, too. Like, and like mm-hmm. he was such a great kid, and but all of a sudden he went into a church and just blew away people. Yeah. So. yeah. 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 And, you know, actually, one of the things that I'd read from a guy named Roger Griffin, who is an expert on far-right extremism and domestic radicalization, kind of ties in with that. He says that what you need is these people get some sort of a... Because they feel like losers. Mm -hmm. They somehow break the world into good and evil, and they identify the evil, and then they decide that they're going to attack it, and that's how they're going to feel better about themselves, is by... Yeah, exactly. This grand thing. Mm -hmm. And that it's really typical for them to do a good job of concealing who they are and what they're thinking. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of times you get people going. Yeah, that guy that recently killed his kids because he was in uh, QAnon. But he was also part of the um, belief that there's a society of people who are descendant from shape-shifting alien lizards. Um, and he believed that his child had reptilian DNA, so he murdered his children. I saw that episode of Supernatural. Yeah. And um, Buffy. Yeah, so uh, the, there's apparently people who are very much convinced that there is a society of people who are descendants of shape-shifting alien lizards. And, uh, I think it was on TV twice. Yeah. So. I, think we call, a, I think we call those people gullible. Mm-hmm. Yes. Republicans. There's a a cult in the next town over from me that um, was in the news not that long ago. And the leader went to our high school. He was a couple years ahead of me. But his brother was in my grade. And he says he's the archangel. And he is sent here to create as many lives. So he was, like, sleeping with all these young women to create a higher population, I guess. I don't even know. It was so crazy. When it was in the news, we all were like, let's go. I was like, let's go because I want to see what this is about because I'm crazy. But you go to the church, and then afterwards they all have meals together, and then they all started living together. And how it came out in the news is the wife of um, the girl I go to high school, the one I went to high school with, went to the police and said, listen, there are 10 to 15 girls under the age of 18 living in this guy's house. Like, mm-hmm. this is, mm-hmm. something's wrong. Yep. Hmm. But it, they, they were all like runaways or this or that, and Not they had nowhere sure. to go, and this guy made them feel like they were important. So. Same thing when Manson was kind of doing. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many of these cults just seem like there's some guy who wants to rape a bunch of people and figures that this is the best way to go about it. Right. Well, it works. Yeah, I guess. And you get a tax-free status at the same time. <laughs> Double bonus. <laughs> so what, one thing I think um, that's interesting about this is, and kind of in a, along this topic, is I don't know if you guys remember when Rolling Stone did an article on Johar, and they put him on the cover, and they made him look like, people were outraged feeling that he looked like a rock star and that he was, you know, whatever. It was just really a picture of him, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But that's kind of the point I thought that Rolling Stone was trying to make was that this could be anybody Mm -hmm. doing this. And it really can be. I mean, people do get extremely radicalized and, um, you know, it's... It's a very strange thing because some of their beliefs, like the shape-shifting alien lizards, you know, you, you hear something like that and you say this person must be, have schizotopia or something like that, is, is, you know, has some psychotic issue. 
in many cases they actually don't and they're not they're not delusional in in the regard that they don't have anything wrong with their brain that makes it so like a schizophrenic can't necessarily process why that's not possible um but a a a more general functioning human being can say okay well obviously um we're not there's no person that's descended of a alien lizard um but these are not people who have anything like that going on and yet they're not willing to make the distinction it's like those idiots you've seen recently trying to get keys to stick to their foreheads after they get the vaccination because they're paranoid well and nobody's mentioned to them that you you know even if you were magnetic your car key's not going to stick to your forehead um but um i thought that like that when uh qanon first came out i'm like how are how are this many people believing some of this crazy stuff well it and it is insane Uh, qanon's beliefs are insane i intend to what about the horse pills everybody's taking? Yeah. Well, it validates your insecurities. It yeah. validates your something, right? Yeah. Something that you need, something that you maybe wonder is wrong with you or a thought process mm-hmm. that you it, have. And this, this group or this yeah. thing is validating mm-hmm. it. So. And it has the reward and the punishment for those who rejected you. Because QAnon, you know, they have the storm. Which is where Trump's supposed to take everybody and that doesn't believe in them and all these pedophiles and what and lock them up. But then it has the awakening where everybody realizes the QAnon people were right all along, mm-hmm. and they're going to have this prestige and wealth. It's like it, it's insane. It's it's absolutely completely insane what they believe, but you know it, they're not in technically insane people. Right. <laughs> so. All right. Well, next week. Um, that we are doing the story of the servant girl Annihilator, which we learned about on our trip to Texas and has a cool conspiracy theory with it. So I'm excited to bring that one gotta, to you. I gotta Excellent. remember yeah. to look that up. Well, let me just take the a picture. Servant of your girl boy. Annihilator. And that's it. See yeah. you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. We're out. Thank you for listening to us on this episode of Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite app so you don't miss an episode. You can also send us an email to cocktailsmocktailsandcrime at gmail.com. Or follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. Or Twitter at CMCrime1. See you all next week.